She's sometimes sad, she's sometimes happy She's doing things to make her life less crappy Trying to treat me that's new on the scene Let's sit back and talk about ketamine everyone, welcome to Ketamine Insights, a podcast about therapeutic ketamine for mental health by and for patients and the people who love us. Mostly in this episode, we give lots of information about what to expect from a ketamine IV infusion. If you want some background about the different ways to take ketamine for mental health, please check out our very first episode. Um, Now, the problem we run up against when talking about higher dose ketamine experiences, including infusions, is that it's really difficult to describe a psychedelic trip. Like if you've ever had a friend insist on telling you about a dream, um, it's almost always boring and absurd. Um, Trips can end up sounding pretty meaningless in a similar way um, when that's actually usually the opposite of how they feel to the person having them. So instead of trying to describe a trip in normal language, for this episode, I'm really putting myself out there and I read a poem that I wrote a few years ago about infusions and what they feel like and what I've learned from them. Um, Before we start the show, I want to get explicit real quick about why we emphasize patient voices on this podcast. It's not just because Lynn and I are a patient and an ally. It's because we follow Dr. Paul Farmer and others who teach that patients should always be primary in health work. That principle is central to our work in life and on this podcast. So Paul Farmer said, quote, Illness and poverty are still seen as misfortunes to be addressed by charity instead of injustices to be ended with solidarity, unquote. Hearing patients is the first step toward promoting good health in our families and across the world. Um, Turning to psychedelics, there's a lot of conversation and hype these days, but still several years in, you don't hear much from patients themselves. This is true of mental health in general, and you'll find the same problem with many kinds of illnesses, especially chronic illnesses. Um, You don't hear from patients, and if you do, it's after they've completely recovered from whatever struggle they were facing. As though if you don't heal completely, or if your story is not about overcoming or conquering your illness, then your voice is not valuable. And that, my friends, is a bunch of bullshit. First, patients need to hear from each other. Um, It's incredibly helpful, not just in providing practical tips, but hearing each other's stories is how we come to understand that we're not alone in these experiences. For me, hearing others' stories has been extremely powerful. And second, patients' voices have a lot to teach everyone, from therapists, psychiatrists, families, and the general public. Um, If you haven't already, I'd recommend checking out the Disability Justice Movement. Um, Their teachings are incredibly valuable for all of us. There's two real um, easy entrees that I'd recommend. Uh, If you haven't seen Crip Camp on Netflix, please check it out. It's a really great documentary. Um, And there's also a wonderful podcast called Read My Mind, um, and that's R-E-I-D, my mind, which I highly recommend, and we'll link both of those in the show notes. Show notes. 
<laughs> Zooming back out, that's why we emphasize that this podcast is by and for patients and those who love us. I just want to say one last thing on the topic of patient voices. This is uh, specifically for family and friends. So while podcasts like this one can hopefully help, I'd like to recommend something else too, which is that if you have a loved one with a mental illness and you're not sure what they're going through or what they want, try asking them directly. Even if they're unable to answer in the moment, it will hopefully show them that you care and let them know that you're eager to hear their voice. With that, here is episode number five. Okay, we're recording. Hey, Lynn, how you doing? All right. Hey, Molly, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Um, good. Welcome, everybody, to Ketamine Insights. Um, we're going to uh, do two things today. We're going to do a very straightforward conversation about kind of step by step what to expect when you go in for your first infusion, your first ketamine infusion. And then we're going to play a poem that I wrote about the experience of going through a ketamine infusion. Um, cool. So this is just to kind of like clear up any, I don't know, like jitters that you have mm -hmm. um, going into your first infusion. I know I was like very, very nervous. Um, and this is just kind of to take some of the uncertainty out of it. Yeah. So, first time using a psychedelic, I can imagine. It's a little yeah, intimidating. And like, yeah. And you, yeah, and you, I, I think one of my big fears was like having a bad, like a quote unquote bad trip, um, mm -hmm. which is something we can talk about more if we want that like, the real idea about ketamine for depression is that there is no such thing as a bad trip. I can't remember if we've okay. talked about this before. Um, but it might be helpful just to set the stage that like, there's no such thing as a bad trip. If your mind okay. is bringing up difficult topics, mm -hmm. it's just to process those topics. Yeah. So, so you could have a hard trip, like a challenging exactly. trip that's maybe not fun. Um, but it's not a bad trip. Yep, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay. So challenging is exactly the word, actually, that my therapist yeah. uses. Um, okay. <laughs> that like, it's challenging. It's not, it might not be, yeah, it's not fun to work through difficult things, yeah. but you come out much, much healthier and happier on the other yeah. side. Yeah. Um, and there's this But that's idea like therapy though, right? I mean, therapy exactly. is, it's not like therapy is like fun and you're laughing and having a great time. Like they, they <laughs> say if therapy is working, you shouldn't mm -hmm. come out of a therapy session like feeling exhausted, right? Right. You're doing the work, right? You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's called work. Um, yeah. And, and there's also this idea that I kind of have trouble with, but I'm sure it is probably true that like you... Um, your mind or however you want to describe it, your spirit won't bring things up until you're ready to handle them. Hmm. So don't get too scared because you're not um, on your own out there. Like you have your own back and yeah. nobody will give you something that you can't handle. Interesting. Yeah. You're kind of protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, interesting. Yeah. Um, so back to the practical stuff. So like the, 
infusion process begins with an evaluation. Um, so the infusion process starts by finding the right, finding a clinic, um, making an appointment. You usually will go in for an evaluation before the day of the infusion. Um, and what'll happen at the evaluation most likely is they'll give you a depression questionnaire, which is only like 10 questions long asking you, you know, have you lost sleep? Have you lost weight? Have you, do you have sad thoughts all the time? Are you overwhelmed? Are you tearful? Things like that. And this then an evaluation with like a psychologist or a psychiatrist. It's, it's or? just a checklist. Okay. It's often just with a like therapist or this is like with the person that's going to administer the infusion. Or? No, no. It's usually just a piece of paper. But like who's, 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 uh, who are you giving it to? Or like who's, who are you submitting it to? Um, the therapist? No, there's usually no therapist working at the clinic at a ketamine Okay, clinic. so it's whoever is giving you the actual infusion, like the nurse. Yeah. Or whoever. Yeah, so there'll okay. be like a prescriber who's either a nurse, anesthetist, or a physician, or okay. an ER doctor often, um, an anesthesiologist or an ER doctor. Okay. But you're giving the questionnaire, it's just like a paperwork thing, and they just grade yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just okay. say, okay, if you said, if you score a 23 or above or whatever it is, then you count as depressed. <laughs> oh, okay. So like, and if, if you didn't, then they would say, sorry, you don't qualify, even if maybe, your therapist yeah, had recommended sure. yours. I wish I knew. Mm -hmm. I wish I had ever failed that test um, <laughs> or passed it or however you want. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. They might then sit down with you and ask you more probing questions. Yeah. Like, not why sure. are you really here? <laughs> yeah. Or do you have a depression diagnosis from a yeah. psychiatrist or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then they'll go through your, so then you'll go usually into the room where the infusion happens or into the doctor's office or the prescriber's mm -hmm. office and get, and they'll take a, like a quote unquote history. My experience is it really just consists of like, have you tried an antidepressant? Yes. Have you tried more than mm -hmm. one? Yes or no. And then if your answers, if, if they deem that you have treatment resistant depression or if they think you're just depressed or, you know, in my experience, they're, they're pretty lax about it actually. Okay. Um, and then they'll ask your weight just because that's how they calculate the dosage. Um, mm -hmm. And the point is, it's like, it's not, they're not going to like delve into your history. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, don't it, think they're not really prying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not therapists. They're not even psychiatrists. They're not going to sound like, even like super medicalized, really. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're not, they're not, it's just not intense. Um, yeah. The okay. most important part of the evaluation is for you to ask them questions as far as I'm concerned. So you hopefully will get a chance to see the infusion room. And if you, if they don't mm -hmm. question, give you questions within the infusion room, then like go ahead and ask them. Um, mm -hmm. I would recommend coming to this evaluation with a list of questions that you've thought of beforehand, at least in your mind, like a couple ideas about what you want to ask about, whatever makes you nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. like if it, you don't want the infusion room ideally to be too medical. I've had yeah. infusions in rooms with like, you know, the doctors or the, the, whatever you call that, like cot bed thing that is in a doctor's yeah. office with like the stirrups for the OBGYN Ugh. inspection, you yeah. know? Like, like the paper, like the paper stuff mm -hmm. you're laying on top of. Ugh, exactly, the crinkly yeah. paper. And, yeah. and then there are other rooms that where it's like you get to lay flat down on a couch or there's like a beautiful mm. lazy boy and candles and like, so there's a That's wide nice. range. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And then, you know, you might want to ask about any health concerns that you have, anything that's making you nervous. Um, another okay. thing you might want to ask about is like, how long is the infusion? Um, usually mm -hmm. they're about 45 minutes, but it varies. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that it's helpful, I think, to give the impression that you're going to be that you're a more thoughtful patient than okay. most because they're they'll be on their toes honestly like i think mm -hmm. it's very important to keep healthcare workers on their toes in general and kind yeah. of delve and yeah. advocate for yourself so one Absolutely. thing to ask along those lines is like will i have time to sit in the room after the infusion if i'm not feeling mm -hmm. up to leaving yet mm -hmm. um and yeah because you don't want to be rushed out never like just had this crazy experience you want time to like let if you're not going to do an inf a integration session immediately with mm -hmm. the therapist and all that at least mm -hmm. be able to take the time listen to some music you know yeah come out of it yeah slowly at your at your yeah. own pace um another question is like do they usually add anything to the ketamine very often different clinics okay. will add uh an anti-nausea medication because mm. sometimes ketamine makes you nauseous and oh, that i didn't like, know that you may have, it's not like ayahuasca where you're probably gonna vomit like five times or something no right where you like yeah. actually yeah. purge yeah no, yeah like that. <laughs> yeah okay that's good to know thankfully yeah it's not like yeah. that that's very good yeah you're right that's a very good point um don't yeah. get worried about puking your guts out yeah um and then I guess another question that a lot of people are nervous about that you shouldn't feel afraid to ask is how will I know if it works for me? Mm. How and when can I expect to feel different? And know yeah. that they're, they can't know that about you, but it's, you know, it's worth hearing what they have to say, what their anecdotal experiences with other patients uh -huh. and things like that. Um, and then just finally, like, what is the regimen? So will you be going every other day for two weeks? Will you be going once a week for four weeks? You know, how do they do the introduction regimen? And what, mm -hmm. if you need maintenance, is it usually every four weeks, every six weeks, every, is it as needed? You know how, mm -hmm. just to better understand kind of what you're looking at going forward. Mm hmm so those are just a couple questions you want to kind of sit down and think about your own. Um, yeah. And then like as preparation for the infusion, we want to set an intention. We've already discussed that. Um, another thing is choosing a playlist. Spotify mm. now has a million ketamine playlists, which is great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What are those Type like? The word like what ketamine. kind of music? They're like a mix or not a mix, but like somewhere between kind of spa yoga class music okay on the one side and on the other side on the other pole you might have like like lo-fi yeah yeah you know, okay like a, that all sounds nice yeah so it's like a yeah. little more active than spa mm -hmm. music yeah and a little less driven usually than like uh lo-fi music and so sometimes yeah. it is kind of oh. lo-fi so it's like they don't want you to fall asleep. I mean, you're you're unlikely to fall asleep, but like, you know, you want to kind of be activated a little bit, but yeah. relaxed at the same time, if that makes yeah. sense. Interesting. I feel like I might check those out while I'm just like working or something, you know? Those I playlists. highly recommend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's helpful too, like if you're going to do six infusions, which is a, a common introductory regimen, um, pick four or five or six even different playlists. Yeah. Because you don't want your mind to get used to the music. You want it to kind oh, of yeah. be mixing yeah, yeah. you up, 
during the yep. infusion. Yeah, because like you probably kind of feel differently as the song changes. As it, yeah, and, totally. Yeah. And there's a couple other tips I have actually about this, which is like, <laughs> don't, um, <laughs> like there's something to be said for the music like surprising you or not you know you not knowing the music beforehand at the same time mm -hmm. there might be things that you don't want in the music so it might make sense to listen to it beforehand i think yeah for me i would much prefer just to listen to it beforehand your whole yeah. brain isn't gonna like know what to expect if you just listen to it one time mm -hmm. things that i like to avoid are high-pitched noises just because mm -hmm. i'm sensitive to that most people mm -hmm. are not as sensitive as i am maybe it yeah. doesn't bother you but i like to like go through the whole playlist and if it has high-pitched noises i'll just skip that song i'll yeah, hide that like, song don't in want list. it in there okay exactly um yeah. doesn't mean you have to throw out the whole list and then i also don't like, like english words exactly okay. yeah yep. yeah yeah that's because you want to be able to be in the zone it's funny because i remember what this reminds me of is when i was in labor and i was um I really wanted to have with both my babies a natural birth. Mm. I was doing this is like I don't want to get sidetracked totally, but basically it was in some ways I don't know maybe similar to getting into kind of like a meditative state while I was birthing. I was doing hypnobirthing, which we could have a whole podcast about. Yes, a whole interesting thing, and it actually was very much about sort of mindfulness in a way, um, and getting into this kind of mind body state while you're in active labor. And um, having a good soundtrack was like, really important. And I remember, um, you know, putting together a playlist and my husband putting together, you know, a playlist also. We both kind of had put together playlists and, and he had put together a playlist at one point that he thought, you know, would kind of contribute to mine. And he had some songs that had, um, had like some Bob Dylan or something, which I love. But they had lyrics and I was like, no lyrics. At one point, I kind of like came out of my hypnobirthing like oh, no. zone. I was like, no, I like cannot. Like they just kept like, I, you know, as I would hear like those, those words, like my mind would come out of it, out of my zone mm. and like fixate. As I imagine maybe when you're in your like ketamine place, your mind gets distracted as you hear words and you, you know, Completely. instead of just like a beat, a rhythm, a note, you know, and you're just like, no, no, my mind needs to be just in the flow of music. Yeah, I, I remember just hating that. And I remember those moments in labor. I guess it was with only in my first because I think with the second birth, I was like, no, there will be no songs with lyrics in them. At least nothing in English. <laughs> right. That, I, that my mind will fixate on. Yeah, That's nothing so funny. in any language I understand. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there can be words. I just better not know what they mean. Yeah, my mind will not, needs to not be distracted by them. Yeah. And yeah, the uh, that's exactly what it feels like. Like you're mm -hmm. doing your thing. You're whatever you In are. The flow. Like, I, yeah, I get images of like pulling ceilings over me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like a cozy little blanket. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, you'll have like a guru, you know, like telling you how to think and what to do and how to breathe. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Like yeah. some of these ketamine like and they'll just come out of nowhere they'll be in the very middle of the playlist you'll have no idea it's coming and it's very disruptive yeah yeah, yeah. and that'd be so funny like i could just imagine you turning and being like and no enough no. With <laughs> yes off off <laughs> no lyrics god why do you hate me <laughs> yes exactly yeah you want this baby to come out or not <laughs> turn this off um and there's another little tip that I just learned recently about Spotify in particular. Uh -huh. It used to 
similarly, it used to like jar me out of the experience when there would be like a sh- a stark difference between tracks. Yeah. You know, like either rhythm wise or anything. And mm-hmm. um, you'd be in your flow. And yeah, it would kind of like make you remember that you're in a room with a needle in your arm and all that stuff. Yeah. You're trying to like be in the moment. And yeah. um, so there's something you can uh, turn up the crossfade in oh. Spotify and have each. And if you turn it all the way up, it's like 12 seconds, I think. And so you can have them kind of artificially, you know, overlap each other. Oh, which interesting. If you're not like sort over- of like a DJ would do. Exactly. Where they're like fading the songs into each other. Oh, that's cool. Oh, good tip. And if you're not, like if you're a real music person, uh-huh. because it's not well done, it's just automatically done, it yeah. might yeah. distract you. But if you're like me, yeah. it's great. It's yeah. really nice. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay. Excellent tip. Um, let's see what else. So, yeah. So anyway, Wear comfortable so, yeah, so, clothes. Nothing yep. that's going to Oh my be gosh. Itchy. We're very comfortable clothes. Yeah. I li- I Do they provide say, a blanket for you? Um. Often they I feel like will. you might want a cozy blanket. Not nearly enough. They never provide enough blankets. Okay. Um, okay. So maybe bring a cozy blanket, cozy not socks. Not only a I blanket. Think. I would like, uh-huh. I wear lots of clothes because the yeah. infusion bag is full of loom, room temperature liquid, which is much okay. colder than your body. Yeah. 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 It's like 75 it degrees. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 20 degrees colder than your body. And yeah, if you're sitting there for cool. 45 minutes, like, you know, stark still. Yeah. And they're pumping 75 degree. You'd get cold. Like you ch- yeah. get chilly. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I only I actually recommend like in addition to lots of clothes and blankets. Like I used to take mm-hmm. my winter coat and put my feet in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> so it would kind of like it'd be like a sleeping bag for my feet. Yeah. But uh, then this yeah. is like next level shit. Nowadays, yeah. I just bring a hot water bottle. Oh, that's nice. That sounds and cozy. It's actually yeah. very very it's a different level of comfort altogether because it makes me feel cared for yeah i don't have to create all the heat Uh uh-huh like even with a blanket right like it's keeping your heat in but you have to create all the heat still and there's something about like oh i'm not and you like seize up and you're cold and you know it's not relaxing Um, yeah and and so if like with a hot water bottle, it's like, yeah, there's something like providing the warmth for yeah, you. Yeah, sounds lovely. It's it like, feels you're, very comforting. You, like you've got your dog cuddling with you or something. Totally. Yep. It's like your dog's like sitting on your toes, keeping them warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, along the same Okay, that's a huge lines. tip is like, because if you're not super warm, that would be really annoying. I feel like for, especially for those of us that get cold easily, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. I think it affects the experience of the infusion. Absolutely. Itself. Yeah. Similarly, like if you're really hungry, like I wouldn't do it mm-hmm. on a full stomach, but you try not to be star- like really starving because yeah. you're just more strung out. If you're not physically yep. comfortable, like your body is a little more uptight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No matter what. And I feel like you, yep. so you feel, I almost feel like, if I'm not comfortable, if I'm not warm, if I'm not like fed, I've had enough water, that kind of simple mm-hmm. stuff, then like I feel a little under threat. Yeah. And as someone who like has PTSD, struggles with like vigilance and stuff like that, I don't yeah. really feel like I can like, like my spirit can heal, you know, if it feels under yeah. threat. Yeah, yeah. You need to feel like, yeah, y- your body is completely relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Take the makes time sense. to like, yeah. And I, I really encourage people to like, you know, if they want to put 
the IV in before you've got your music and you're, you know, before you mm-hmm. feel comfortable in the room, just ask for a minute, you know, like yeah. stand up for yourself, ask for a minute. It's worth it. Be, be comfortable, set yourself up. Yes. As best you can. That's really important. Yeah. I think that's such a huge point. Like you said at the beginning, like advocating for yourself in this experience, like in any medical experience that is so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Can I have a minute, please? Getting comfortable. And that's it. Like it, yeah. it, you might not feel like that's a legitimate medical thing, but it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is. Um. Okay, so we're in the Lazy Boy. We're comfortable. We've got their hot water bottle. We've got a couple blankets. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll often provide a blindfold. Okay. You know, like one of those sleep masks. Okay. <laughs> Blind- sounds creepy <laughs> when you call it a blindfold. <laughs> like, that honestly sounds creepy. But yeah, let's say, Sorry. yeah, a ma- like a... Um, uh, what's a sleep mask? Let's call it a exactly. sleep mask. Yes, they're a not, sleep mask. They're not taking you hostage. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, you'll have, and you can bring one if you want, but yeah, they'll they'll usually provide one. Um, Okay. There are fancy ones. I have uh, Uh heard about people wanting, some people have a different experience during ketamine if they can open their eyes. Yeah. But you don't want to see the room at the same time. Yeah. This is a weird thing, but so they make eye masks where it's your complete darkness, but you actually can open your eyelids. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's like space to open your eyes but you only see blackness yeah exactly right yeah okay yeah and that's somehow for these people i've tried it and i didn't notice any difference but but i've heard people say things like they feel more in the experience because their eyes are open yeah but they're not seeing what's in what's like actually physical the room they're physically in right there yeah to bring yeah. them out of it, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that, that actually sounds kind of nice, huh? Interesting. I'm imagining. Yeah, okay. you can just but, like but get you're those just on like Amazon you just want your eye. You don't need to have your eyes open. You're just eyes. I just closed. yeah, they're closed. Funny. It's fine. Yeah, and then um, you know, like have your comfy big headphones, or they'll usually offer you headphones as well if you want. Um, okay. And then the tech will often the so it's not the physician that puts the IV in. It's usually just a technician. Mm-hmm. they'll put the IV in, ask you if you have any questions. And the, often the prescribing physician will be the one who has to, or the, or the nurse anesthetist or whoever it is, mm-hmm. will have to actually turn on the ketamine. Okay. Um, at least that's the way it is in Illinois. I think that's the way it is most places. Um, mm-hmm. And then you chill out, you know, just like take a couple deep breaths. It usually takes three to five minutes to like start to kick in. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then your job is That's just pretty fast, to really. Relax. Three to five minutes. Yeah, it's longer if you're taking it in any other way, but the IV yeah. gets right to you. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So just kind of practically, um, those are kind of the tips to prepare yourself um, for the actual day of, you know. And then okay. after the first one, you'll know a lot more about what you like, what you don't like, how to, you know, if your headband or your eye mask is that what we said sleep mask <laughs> sleep mask yeah eye mask, sleep mask. yeah not a blindfold is <laughs> too tight or something like that yeah. you know you could go to target get a new whatever it is like you can yeah. adjust for yeah. the next one and um just don't yeah. be afraid to prioritize your own comfort um, yes of course and then what we're gonna do now is just play a poem that kind of gets more into like the actual experience of the infusion mm-hmm. itself and kind of how wacky and powerful that can be um, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. Did I, how do, how do we cover everything, Lynn? 
I think so. Yeah, I mean, you're the expert on this, having been through it, but yeah. I think that <laughs> your poem will really help to touch on more of the experience. Um, so for all of the listeners, poem by the one and only Molly Dunn, <laughs> A Room in Chicago. A Room in Chicago. Thanks so much, Lynn. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. A Room in Chicago by Molly Dunn. There's a room in Chicago near the intersection of Clark and Belmont, a neighborhood that in my childhood teemed with punks and artists. There was leather and spikes and a place we called Punkin' Donuts. Pierced teenagers squatted on curbs for reasons both obvious and misunderstood. Now, this neighborhood hosts a Target and a Starbucks and a room where I've undergone more than 30 ketamine infusions for treatment-resistant depression. In a recliner, built like all recliners for men, with electrodes on my chest and a needle in my arm, I lay all the way back. A million blankets, headphones, eye mask, Buddha statues, Kleenex. My therapist for now sits in silence in the corner, He does nothing except be present, which honors and confounds me. Many times I've smiled while the tech, I call her Sharon the bad phlebotomist, pokes, pokes, shakes her head and pokes again. I've winced and nodded while she tells me again how lucky I am to have such treatment, to get such care. In that room, I have learned that I am a good person. I have pulled ceilings over me like blankets and zoomed through multicolored tunnels of insight and meaning. I've wept uncontrollably. I've come back to a reality in which my partner had left, devastated that here in real life, I was fighting all alone. I've come back to a reality where I am so sad that I cannot function, where I must remember not to move because they're pumping something into my body to fix me and where it's not working. A reality where my mind and heart and gut are riddled with diseases doctors don't understand. In this room, I've also learned that my feelings of separateness are an illusion. I've learned that love travels through walls and across great distances, and it even travels through time, leaving me nourished and never all alone. One infusion, having read Audre Lorde the night before, I learned that shame comes from internalizing large social problems that shedding shame is a beautiful, revolutionary act, that living out loud is a blessing to us and to our communities, Umi says. I have seen that my experience is powerful, but it is not unique. In this room, I have danced with my friend Sagar at a nightclub in Oxford, jived with my cousin Martina in an Irish pub, waltzed with grandma at the Irish Heritage Center, where Grandpa, of course, did the pipe work. I have sighed, knowing that I can do without. I've pleaded for certainty. 
I've rejected acceptance. I've accepted love as the answer to every question. Love is the thing that God is made up of. And I've come to know that love is what I'm made up of too. I've been thrilled to hear Lizzo and Bill Withers cheering me on. And I've mourned. I've mourned the family I'm now too afraid to create. The woman whose last words to me were, are you gonna be okay? I've grieved the abilities I once held sacred to serve, to work, to think, to read, and even to remember. I've had fleeting moments in this room when I felt healthy. I've been bruised and talked over and tucked in and listened to. I've been given the time and space and the care to feel a love beyond measure. I've thought and I've almost said, I do know Sharon. I know that I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Recently, driving away from this room on a Friday, up Belmont and away from Cubs traffic, mom asked if I wanted to stop for coffee or ice cream. Both, I declared, inspired and sure. Let's not ration our joy. Ketamine Insights is hosted by Lynn Schneider and me, Molly Dunn. All of our music is by Solid State Symphony. If you've become a regular listener, we have a Patreon page where you can help us keep the lights on. Go to patreon.com and search for Ketamine Insights. Finally, please take a moment, think of someone who you know who might enjoy this podcast and shoot them a text. Thank you so much. See you next week.